Shalom. Got some great news for all you listeners and followers out there. Hachaim has transformed into what is now called the Jewish mind, where modernity meets Judaism by Rabbi Avraham Lipschitz. And uh, really, we're looking forward to a whole new new wave of uh, outreach to bring the divine solutions of the Torah to modern life issues. So um, there you go. It's now the Jewish mind where modernity meets Judaism. In the times of old, there were great amphitheaters and stadiums built for the pleasure of royalty. Probably the most famous of them all is the Colosseum, also known as the Flavian Amphitheater, built by the three Roman emperors known as the Flavian dynasty. Construction began under the Emperor Vespasian in the year 72 and was completed in the year 80 under his successor and heir Titus. Further modifications were made during the reign of Domitian, who reigned from 81 to 96. Why am I talking to you about the Colosseum? Rabbi Dover Lubavitch, known as the Mittler Rebbe, describes in great detail the sporting events that would take place in these theaters. He describes how a lion and a leopard would be brought into the theater to battle against each other. However, the lion would be tied in chains so that the leopard would have a chance against the lion. When the leopard was winning, they would then loosen the chains on the lion, allowing it to attack back. When the lion would be winning, they would uh, tighten its chains again, allowing the leopard to attack back. And so it would go on back and forth until one of the animals would win the battle. Our sages refer to sporting events of this type as kinugya. And Hasidus explores this event to understand the concept of pleasure that there is in watching such an event. The reason why Hasidus finds any interest at all in such a sporting event is because it is mentioned by our sages concerning the festive meal for the righteous when Mashiach, Messiah, will come and will bring redemption and revelation to the world. Our sages teach us that when Mashiach will come, the righteous will have a festive meal. At this meal, they will drink from the guarded wine. Guarded wine is, I quote to you the Talmud, wine which has been preserved in its grapes from the six days of creation. Also at this meal, they will eat from the Leviathan sea creature and from the wild ox. Concerning the Leviathan, the verse in Psalm states, You formed this Leviathan with, with which to sport. That's what the verse says. Our Torah portion defines the laws of which animals are of the kosher species. And on that verse that says, And this is the animal... The Medrash Rabbah explains the sport that the verse in Psalm is speaking of. So the verse in Psalm says, Leviathan, God created for a sporting event. In our Torah portion called Shemini, which talks about the kosher species of animals, the Medrash goes on to explain what this sporting event is all about. So let's look at what the Medrash says. It first starts with a quote from the verse of our portion talking about kosher species and the quote is and this is the animal 
Here is a piece of the Medrash that we're going to explore today. Said Rabbi Yudin, the son of Rabbi Shimon, all the animals, which refers to the wild ox, and the Leviathan, they are the sport of the righteous in the world to come. And all those who did not see the, sporting, the sports of the nations of the world in this world will merit to see in the world to come. How will they be slaughtered to be eaten? The wild ox will gore the Leviathan with its horn and tear it. And the Leviathan will slaughter the wild ox with its fins. Our sages say that this is a kosher slaughtering. However, have we not learned all may slaughter at all times one may slaughter with an implement with any implement one may slaughter excepting a skeeth, a sore teeth or a fingernail since these strangle. Just want to explain for a moment what's going on here. The fins which are not smooth should also be not fit for slaughtering. That's what we're saying. Says Rabbi Abin, the son of Kahana, said the Holy One, blessed be he, a new Torah will emanate from me. New laws will emanate from me. What a confusing medrash. So let's just go over briefly what we see here. Number one, we see that there's going to be a sporting event of the righteous in between what is known as the wild ox and what is known as the Leviathan. The two will be sporting against each other. The wild ox will gore the Leviathan. And the Leviathan will slaughter the wild ox with its fins. Now fish don't need to be slaughtered in any specific case. So there's no problem with how it's going to be killed in order for its flesh to be used in the festive meal. However, the wild ox has to be slaughtered in a specific fashion. So now the question is, hey, is that kosher? to slaughter a wild ox with a fin? So our sages say, yes, it is. However, our sages question, what do you mean, yes, it is? We know that in the Talmud, concerning the laws of slaughtering, it clearly says that you cannot use something that is not smooth. The sages answer, well, now it's not kosher to slaughter that way. But when Mashiach comes, there will be a new law which will emanate from God and it'll say that it is kosher. Before we get into the mystical exploration of what's going on here, I want to just do a little bit of explanation. What does it mean when Mashiach comes is going to be a new law? Isaiah says, and I'm quoting a verse in Isaiah, Hearken to me, my people, and my nation, bend your ears to me, when Torah shall emanate from me. And my judgment shall be for the light of the people. I will give them rest. Now upon those words, when Torah shall emanate from me, our sages extrapolate that when Mashiach comes, there will emanate new depths from the Torah. Now in this Midrashic teaching that we just studied, the sages extrapolate that a new law will emanate from the Torah concerning the law of which implement may be used to slaughter an animal in a kosher fashion. Okay, so now we understand that part. Another concept I would like to clarify 
is that the laws of slaughtering an animal demands an absolutely sharp, smooth, smooth edge with no nicks in it. This is what the sages are questioning and answering concerning the slaughtering with a new smooth edge with a non-smooth edge of a fin. Okay, let's get to our primary focus. Our primary focus here of this entire Medrashic teaching is to understand the secrets of this sporting event of the righteous, of which some righteous people are compared to the Leviathan and the others to the wild ox, and the secrets to the details of how the Leviathan slaughters the wild ox. What does that mean? After which we must extrapolate a practical lesson to our daily living. That's what we're interested in. So everything I took to I told you about from the Torah portion to the Medrash, this is the primary focus. What is going on with that sporting event which is going to take place from which the meal, the festive meal of when Mashiach comes for the righteous will be served. Let us understand one last introduction to our lecture. In the teachings of Hasidus, there are essence pleasures. What do I mean by essence pleasures? That means that these forms of pleasure are in themselves true sources of pleasure. One form of essence pleasure, for example, is music and hearing a sweet voice. Another, for example, is the pleasure of intellect. When one understands an intellectual concept, he is filled with a feeling of pleasure. That's one type of pleasure. Then there are other causes of pleasure, but they in themselves are not true essence pleasures. In other words, the person creates with himself, within himself a passion, an excitement, which then creates a sense of pleasure from something in itself that is not pleasurable, and sometimes even from something quite distasteful. The pleasure we are talking about here that took place in those stadiums of watching two animals attacking each other is not an essence pleasure. Rather, it is taking the highest of the soul's faculties, which is the power of pleasure, and drawing it down creating a sensation of pleasure from something quite distasteful. The entire sense of pleasure here is a created sensation. The sporting contest between the lion and the leopard is rigged by the stage hands controlling the chains holding down the lion. Additionally, watching animals attack each other is not a natural sense of pleasure within the human soul. Rather, it is forcing a descent of the human faculty of pleasure, forcing one's self to experience an unnatural sensation of pleasure. Well, now that we understand what Hasidus has to say about the pleasure that comes from this inhumane type of sporting event, so let's ask ourselves a question about this sporting event which will take place when Mashiach comes between the Leviathan and the wild ox. Why is this forced descent of pleasure, what is it actually? What is this forced descent pleasure in the spiritual sporting event between the Leviathan and the wild ox? And why would God create such a sensation? That is what we're going to explore here in this lecture. 
The Midrashic teaching on our Torah portion doesn't begin with discussing the sporting event of the righteous in the times of the world to come. First, it discusses the purpose of God's commandments that they were given solely for the reason of a tikkun. Tikkun means correction of the person and of the world. With that the people be menschlich. I don't even know how to translate that word as beautifully as it is in the word Yiddish, mensch, to be a mensch, and that there be a decent civilization. In that same paragraph, after the opening piece about the purpose of God's commandments, it then goes on to discuss the sporting event of the Vliatan and the wild ox, and of how it will end with the Leviathan slaughtering the wild ox with its fins. The connection here between the beginning and the end of the same teaching is that within the observance of the commandments there are two categories. There are the wild ox righteous people who observe the commandment on one level and there are the Leviathan righteous people who observe it on another level. The wild ox level is that of the created pleasure, while the Leviathan level is that of the essence pleasure. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, we speak of the difference between the conscientiousness of the land creatures and of the conscientiousness of the sea creatures as they metaphorically apply to two different types of souls. In Genesis, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And the earth gave forth creatures that were not within the earth, but outside of the earth itself, living upon the earth. Not within the earth, we walk upon the face of the earth. Now, even though the land creatures depend upon the earth to stay alive, nevertheless, they exist outside of the earth itself. Okay? God also said, let the water swarm a swarming of living creatures. And the sea gave forth living creatures that live within the ocean. The sea creatures are so much one with the water they came from and live within that there is a legal opinion concerning the laws of the mikvah. Now, the law is that when someone or something is immersed in the mikvah, the ritual bath, nothing can separate the waters from the person or the object being immersed into the mikvah. Now, one legal opinion states that if a person is holding on to a fish while immersing himself in the mikvah, it is a valid kosher immersion. For the fish is the water, and therefore the fish is not considered a separation between the water of the mikvah and the person's hand. So we have the land creatures not living within the land, but upon the land. We have the sea creatures living within the sea until that from a Torah legal perspective, they are at some level are actually considered part and parcel of the waters of the sea. Spiritually, this teaches us that the land creatures, even though they have some conscientiousness of their creator, However, primarily, their conscientiousness lives outside 
of a conscientiousness of God. On the other hand, sea creatures live within their source and within their conscientiousness of God. Let's see how this plays out in the different types of souls. This is why the Torah tells us that Moses was called Moses, Moshe. The word Moshe means drawn forth from. Now Batya, the princess of Egypt, when she found the baby Moses in the water, she named him Moses, and the verse explains why. Because from the waters I have drawn him forth. Mishisiu is a source of the word Moshe. According to Kabbalah, what Batya was saying was that Moses was a sea creature soul of the spiritual stature and conscientiousness of living within his source. Thus, what we have here from this teaching is that the wild ox is a land creature and refers to the righteous observers of God's commandments who served within the physical dimension of the commandment of Tikkun, correcting the good and evil balance within themselves and within the world. Now to God, this entire battle and Tikkun between good and evil is a descent of the faculty of pleasure into experiencing a forced pleasure. Why so? Because in the truth of it all, there is no true power of evil over goodness. And therefore, there is no true pleasure to the entire battle between the two. The Leviathan is a sea creature. And these righteous people, symbolically the Leviathan, they live within the spiritual experience of their physical observance of God's commandments. This spiritual experience of the commandments is an essence pleasure to God. Thus, what is actually going on in the teaching of the Medrash is that the first sage says, that the sole purpose of God's commandment is that of the wild ox land creature's experience. It's all about the tikkun, to become a mensch. Comes along the second sage, now we're going to the second half of the paragraph of the Medrash, and he disagrees. And he says that ultimately, even the wild ox land creature's experience will be slaughtered by the Leviathan sea creatures experience to understand what the Leviathan sea creatures spiritual experience of observing commandments is we will have to explore the mystical concept of the fins and of their movements yeah that's what we're going to discuss what does Kabbalah have to say to the fins of a fish and their movements of how the fish uses them to propel them. We are going to first define the word shechita. The word shechita is the, ver the word that is used in the Torah for slaughtering. In order to lay the groundwork for what it means that the Leviathan slaughtered the wild ox with its fins. The Talmud is searching to understand where a certain law of shechita comes from. And therefore this specific piece of Talmud turns to a verse from Jeremiah that uses the terminology shachut. 
The verse says, An arrow shachut is their tongue. It speaks deceit. The simple meaning of the verse is that when it calls the arrow an arrow shachut, chetz shachut, it means to say that the arrow is a deadly and sharpened arrow. The Talmud, however, extrapolates from the literal meaning of the verse, which reads as an arrow thrust as in a slaughtering. The word shachut means slaughtering. And what they want to extrapolate concerning the law that they're looking for, that just as the arrow moves horizontally in its flight, so in slaughtering one must move the knife horizontally to and fro. Then, after the Talmud extrapolates the source of its law concerning how you have to move the knife, then the Talmud uses this verse to define the word Shechita in itself. I will quote to you the exact words of the Talmud. A Tana of the school of Rabbi Ishmael taught, It is written, And he shall slaughter. In Hebrew, that's a verse from Leviticus, which means Vishachat. He goes on and says, And Vishachat means nothing, nothing else than, And he shall draw. As in the verse, he now brings two proofs that the word Vishachat means to draw in. Verse number one comes from the book of Kings. Beaten gold. The exact word is Zahav Shachut. Now literally the word Shachut there means drawn out, thinned out, beaten. The Talmud then brings another proof from our verse that we're using here. And as it is also written in Jeremiah, a sharpened Shachut arrow is their tongue. It speaks deceit. Now we know that the deeper meaning of the word shechita means to draw in. In the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, this now becomes the window to understanding the mystical secrets of the necessity of shechita before a human can eat of an animal. That the animal must first be drawn into the human spiritual experience of the world. However, that's not what we're here to discuss. Let us stay focused on what this means to our sporting event of the Leviathan and the wild ox. And how at the end, the Leviathan slaughters, which we now know means draws in the wild ox. What we explained was that the wild ox's experience in observing God's commandments gives God the lower forced pleasure of the tikkun correction war between good and evil within the human and within the world through the persons performing God's commandments. And that the Leviathan's experience in observing God's commandments gives God the higher essence pleasure of the spiritual experience of physically fulfilling God's commandments. Thus, the deeper mystical meaning of the Vliatan slaughtering the wild ox with its fins is all about the higher dimension of the Leviathan sea creature, those righteous people drawing up the lower dimension wild ox land creature, righteous people, from the land creature's lower forced pleasure into the Leviathan sea creature's higher spiritual dimension 
of the essence pleasure. So you have the wild ox category of righteous people. They serve God with observing the mitzvahs and their experience of it is all about the tikkun war, the balance between the good and the evil within themselves and within the world. We explain that there's really nothing real about that pleasure because in God's eyes, evil has no true power over good. And thus the entire battle is rigged, so to speak. Then we're saying that when the final moment of the sporting event, when the Leviathan sea creature will slaughter, i.e. draw in the wild ox with his fin, what it really mystically means is that the higher Leviathan category of the righteous people will draw in the wild ox righteous people from their lower forced pleasure experience into the higher dimension of essence pleasure. Now let's go ahead and take a look into what the fins movements are all about. The fish's fin movements reflect the movement of a bird's wings which are well defined in Kabbalah and Hasidis in how they manifest themselves in our service to God. The bird's wings have a two-directional movement in which they reach upward and then thrust downward. So too, the fish's fins have a two-directional movement in which the upper movement propels it forward and the downward movement keeps it from sinking to the low depths of the sea. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, these two movements of the wings, and now we say also of the fins, represent the two primary human emotions of love and fear. Loving God is the upward yearning to be close to God, and fearing God is the downward thrust that keeps us from sinking into the depths of the ego-centric confusion and abyss. The two primary emotions of love and fear are the reflection of the essence pleasure dance, which emanates throughout the entire universe from creation's earliest primordial stirrings within the essence of God. It is the ebb and flow dance of the universe. The strong ebb yearning of the creation pulls it upward into the bosom of God, completely losing itself within its source in its yearning to be close to God. The powerful flow downward thrust is actually an even deeper level of humility to God as we will see. The essence pleasure of the 248 commandments thou shall do is our ebb love yearning toward God. And the essence pleasure experience of the 365 prohibitions, which are the thou shall not do, is the fear flow thrust of us to God. Thus, the Leviathan's spiritual experience of observing the 613 commandments is the higher essence pleasure of God. More specifically, it is the Leviathan's experience through the movement of its fins that is the essence pleasure dance experience of, of observing God's commandment, which is why the Leviathan slaughters, i.e. draws in, the wild ox with its fins.
I want to just explain this maybe a little clearer. So we're talking about the essence pleasure versus the forced pleasure. The forced pleasure is when the only experience we have in keeping and observing God's commandments and prohibitions is to become a mensch and to make the world a menschlicher place. The essence pleasure is when the spiritual experience of observing the commandments is all about becoming part of that essence pleasure dance of the universe. The dance of the universe is the ebb upward yearning and the flow downward thrust. The positive commandments every time we have the thou shall do this there's 248 of those in the Torah that's the experience of the ebb I'm doing this I'm yearning to get close to God every time we observe the prohibition of thou shall not that is the flow experience the fear thrust downward to keep us from falling into the abyss this spiritual experience of the ebb and the flow, the love and the fear, the thou shalls and the thou shall nots, that is the essence pleasure dance of the Leviathan's experience in serving God with observing God's 613 commandments. Now what happens is, because this is expressed in the fins, the two movements of the fins, that is why the Leviathan righteous people through their fins, their love and fear for God will draw in the wild ox, those lower righteous experiences, taking them from the forced experience of only tikkun battle into the unbelievable universal essence pleasure dance of the ebb and the flow, the love and the fear for God. To understand this two-directional movement of the 613 commandments of the Torah, we will turn to a special Torah reading that we read on this Shabbat, besides the weekly Torah portion. All year round, there is no issue with a Jew being in the legal status of impurity. For example, when a person attends a funeral, which is one of the greatest mitzvot to give that last respect to a person. The impurity of the lifeless body causes all those attending his funeral or her funeral to become impure. This is why a Kohen who is set aside from amongst the Jewish people to serve in the Holy Temple is not allowed to attend the funeral. However, for the holiday of Passover, every Jew, not just a Kohen, Every Jew is obligated to participate and eat from the Passover sacrifice on the Seder night. That's why we have the shank bone or the chicken neck on the Seder plate to remember that. Therefore, before Passover holiday comes along, all the Jewish people who were in a legal status of impurity had to go through the purification process of the red heifer. The process is a seven-day process. And that is why on a Shabbat before the month of Passover begins, we take out a second Torah scroll and we read the red heifer portion in the book of Numbers to remind the Jewish people that they should purify themselves for Passover if they need 
to be purified from any legal status of impurity. This Shabbat, when we take out that second Torah scroll to read that special red heifer portion, is the Shabbat called Shabbat Para, Shabbat of the heifer. This Shabbat is that Shabbat. It is Shabbat Para, the Shabbat when we take out the second Torah scroll and from it read that special purification process of the red heifer. The red heifer begins with, and again I quote the verse, This is the statute of the Torah which the Lord commanded, saying, and it goes on to say the laws. Now this is very unusual in the sense that it is a global statement of being the statute of the Torah rather than being just the statute of the red heifer. This is why Kabbalah and Hasidus explore the depths of the red heifer commandment to find the global essence of all the commandments and of the entire Torah. Amazingly enough, what the sages find here to be the global essence of all commandments in this commandment of the red heifer is the essence pleasure dance. How so? Let's go on. In reading the red heifer portion you find that there are two primary steps in the process of preparing the red heifer sacrifice which is then sprinkled upon the impure on the third and seventh day of the seven-day purification process. The first step is that all the ingredients in their entirety are burnt to ashes. After the red heifer is slaughtered, together with the other three ingredients, they are all placed within a fire until they are completely consumed by the fire and all that remains are their ashes. That's step number one. The second step is, and I quote to you the verse, they shall take from that for that unclean per person from the ashes of the burnt purification offering and it shall be placed in a vessel filled with living water. So we have here fire and water. The natural direction of a burning flame is an upward ebb. No matter how you hold a match or the candle, you'll see that the flame is always, its direction is always upwards. While the natural seeping direction of water is the downward flow. The water keeps on going down, seeping down until it hits the bedrock. Thus, the red heifer being the global statute of the Torah is defined as it being the essence pleasure dance in which there are both the ebb and the flow, love and fear, fire and water. Deeper yet goes the exploration. The red heifer is not only the global essence of the statutes, the 613 commandments of the Torah, but of the Torah itself. The verse in Deuteronomy calls the Torah, and again I quote, from his right was a fiery law from them. Right in Kabbalah, the right side, right in Kabbalah represents water, kindness, love. Now together with this, there is the fiery law, which is fire, strength, fear. This two movement, essence, pleasure, dance of the Torah, that the Torah is right and fiery law, this essence, pleasure, dance within the Torah itself is what 
its 613 commandments are built upon. So you see that the essence of the entire Torah and mitzvot is all about the Leviathan's experience. The Leviathan, that group of righteous people that have the spiritual experience in their physical observance of the Torah and its mitzvot, of that beautiful universal essence pleasure dance of emotions yearning with love for God and then the flow downward the fear of God healthy fear but fear of God so much so is that the essence of the global Torah and the global mitzvot of the Torah that the red heifer which is all about that global dance that unbelievable dance of the fire and the water, the ebb and the flow, the love and the fear. It is called Zot Chukat HaTorah. This is the global statute of the Torah because this is what the true essence pleasure of God in our observance of the commandments and the study of Torah is all about. Now, the mimer, the mystical teaching of the Rebbe of Blessed Memory, which he delivered in 1965, goes on to explain the portion of the Medrash that questions how a non-smooth surface of a fin, a fish fin, can be a valid slaughtering, and the answer of how in the times of Mashiach a new lore of the Torah will emanate from God. The Rebbe has a very deep mystical explanation of the question and the answer. However, I will omit that for this lecture and conclude with the Rebbe's deep and yet practical explanation of the ebb and flow essence pleasure dance. The Book of Formation, which is one of the earliest books of Kabbalah, some say it was written by our father Abraham, others say by Moses, others say far more contemporary, However, in the Book of Formation, he writes, If your heart races, return to one. Capital O. If your heart races, return to one. Let us understand this directive of the Book of Formation. The racing heart is the ebb, and the return to one is the flow. The racing heart is ebbing upwards. The returning is flow downwards. The egocentric individual trapped within his own self-seeking dishonesty and selfishness has not the racing heart yearning for a closeness to God, nor the return to one. One here, capital O, means God. A person's redemption from the prison of self begins with the ebb of a racing heart. The study of God's Torah and the observance of God's commandments create a psychological shift within what a person sees as the axis around which his universe rotates. I'm going to say that again. The study of God's Torah and the observance of God's commandments create a psychological shift within a person in what that person sees as the axis around which his universe rotates. It used to be me. Now that shifts as the center and the axis of the universe's rotation as we study Torah 
and observe God's commandments. This psychological shift then evolves into a strong love and yearning, the racing heart, to stop being defined as a separate identity of God and instead the person wants nothing more than to return to being within his source, within God. This experience is that of, I want to leave the here of me and to go to the there of God. This is the experience of the racing heart. However, even in this spiritual experience, the focus is based upon the I want. You heard how I, how I worded the experience? I want to leave the here of egocentric me and to go to the there of God. It begins still with the I want, a noble spiritual want, but it's I want. The directive of the book of formation that says, if your heart is racing, return to the one, the return to one is telling us to step out of even our spiritual ego and want and instead to focus on what God wants. God wants one. What this means is that God wants a oneness between the physical and the spiritual and between the Creator and His creation. Thus the next move in the essence pleasure dance after the first step of the ebb is to then step out of the I want yearning ebb and to embrace God's want of the downward flow. God sent us down here into the physical egocentric dimension of the universe so that we refine and transform the universe of complexity and multiplicity into a universe of unity and oneness. This, the directive of the essence pleasure dance is ask not what you want of God but of what God wants of you. However, in truth, the two steps of the essence pleasure dance, the ebb I want to be close to God and the flow God wants me down here to do the job, both those steps of the essence pleasure dance depend and feed off of each other. Without first experiencing the ebb yearning to have closeness to God, we could never embrace the flow selflessness of one. Likewise, if not for the downward flow driving our ebb yearning to a constructive direction of service, the ebb would lead us into the abyss. Thus, the clear practical directive of the Book of Formation and of this entire lecture is to free ourselves from the prison of self and to live the beautiful balanced life of God's essence pleasure dance of fanning within us a fiery yearning to be close to God and then drive the energy of this fiery yearning into a downward watery flow of living God's will. Then we have this essence pleasure dance draw in all of our thoughts, speech, and actions. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges.
Judaism offers timeless divine solution. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.